Hello, everyone. I'm your host, James Jackson, and this is ArtCast. Join me each episode as we shine the light on a category management or shopper insights professional doing compelling work in the trenches. Let's dive right in. I'm here today with Eric Lubke, Director, Category Leadership, U.S. Grocery and Channels at Tyson Foods. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, Eric, I, I'm sure you've listened before. So you kind of know that how we usually start out is that uh, you go through your career path, your journey, share a little bit about yourself, maybe two to three minutes, and then we'll get started in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. So again, Eric Lupke, I'm at Tyson Foods. Uh, I started my career in, I call it category management insights at Dunhumby at the time. Uh, about 13 years ago, roughly, uh, working on the Kroger account. I've been with Tyson about 10 years. So my current role, uh, I lead our regional accounts and channels for category management. I have a team of roughly 21 uh, that supports our total portfolio from coast to coast. Uh, super fun role. Uh, been here 10 years again, as I mentioned. But prior to this, I did you know a few years in our Shopper Insights team, leading primary research on our frozen department and e-commerce and fresh meats. And then other category manage, category management roles on Kroger, uh, East Coast retailers, and channels. So uh, it's been a great career, multiple different paths through what we call our retail commerce leadership uh, team at Tyson, uh, and really a fun uh, portfolio products industry and team to work with. Great, great. Well, thank you, Eric. Um, if you're ready, we're, we're really going to get into this today. So let's get in the trenches. Let's get in the trenches. Obviously, there's a lot of dynamics happening right now within our industry. So you hear in headlines, you talk to people about things like inflation, um, supply chain issues, labor challenges, technology, health. So all of these are really hitting our category managers and our Shopper Insights people. And so what we thought would be a good idea today is invite somebody in namely Eric, who has a lot of experience across both the category management side of the business as well as Shopper Insights. He's been in e-commerce, as he mentioned. And also, when you talk about Tyson, spanning across multiple categories and multiple channels. So what we wanted to ask Eric about today is to give his perspective on some of those factors that I, I listed before. And really what we want to do is draw out, you know, where is the consumer how might it impact their pur purchase uh, behavior? And potentially, what are some of the implications um, for people who are listening today that are in the trenches? So first uh, question for you, Eric. Um, overall, there is a lot of um, things that the consumer or the shopper is really trying to get their arms around, really grappling with. Uh, what do you think is their general disposition right now? Are they frustrated? Are they excited? Are they angry? Uh, where where are they right now, do you think, overall? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenging time, and it's a great question. I mean, uh, in the good news, we are, we're finally seeing, at least from research we do and and what's, you know, published, is people are finally past the COVID era, at least, or when entering the new normal, the post-pandemic world. But now what we're seeing really, you know, the insecurity with the economy and inflation, you know, the war in Ukraine, uh, it's weighing on them uh, for, for sure. And that's across the board. 
Uh, consumer confidence we're seeing, it, you know, still compare uh, our low compared to pre-pandemic. It's slightly improved recently, which is a decent sign. And inflation has slowed, which is good, but it's still very elevated. So, and that's something, you know, our consumers and shoppers are still grappling with. Now you add on to that uh, what we're seeing, you know, the SNAP benefit reduction. So that's going to have an effect as well. Uh, and then election coming up. So there's a lot coming at, you know, our shoppers and consumers to deal with at, at this time. Uh, and they're adapting in, in different ways. Uh, from a generational standpoint, we are seeing that the younger generations are a little bit more optimistic towards their financial situation than older, uh, which is possibly, I mean, most likely do, you know, your closer retirement. This is a tough, tough time to retire, but we're monitoring that daily um, to see what's going on. But uh, this year, as, as we expect, uh, it's going to be a lot of people dealing with the macro environment, uh, trying to stay positive and adjusting their shopping behaviors uh, to their financial situations. Great, great. So with that said, um, and, and I experienced it, I know you did as well back in kind of 08 and 09 with the recession, we saw people as they were experiencing that that phenomenon, um, they, they did change their behavior. Uh, people were downshifting their purchases, um, you, you know, going from premium to mainstream, for instance. Uh, people were moving from eating out more to eating at home. So there were a lot of um, significant moves that people were making. What are you seeing right now? Is it similar? Is it different? Where, where are people today? Yeah, we're actually seeing some similarities for sure and some differences. So, I mean, similar to 08 and 09, we are seeing, you know, more smaller trips uh, from shoppers and shopping multiple retailers more than normal to get the best deals. We're still seeing that shift a little bit to more at-home eating, which has still been elevated ever since uh, since the since COVID. Uh, the value channels right now are benefiting, uh, similar to 0809, such as you know Super Centers, Dollar and Club. Uh, the increase in brown bagging or you know packing lunch at work or school, um, and private label, of course, a time the trading down when she mentioned is gaining importance. But we are still seeing similar to 0809, where trusted brands in certain categories. Are, are positioned well if you have that limited spend to make sure what uh, what you're getting to eat. Some differences we are seeing now versus 08, 09 uh, really is people still have more savings and cash to cushion, uh, although that's going down. I mean, that's been published a lot, uh, you know, by the government, but they, they are in a better cash environment. Uh, what is also different, you know, retail merchandising, you know, promotions in store isn't as prevalent still in store due to supply challenges. So consumers are having to seek other deal saving tactics or really hung around to get those deals to help with uh, with uh, similar trends in 0809. Uh, an interesting fact that's a little different now is the, the breakfast occasion. Um, the breakfast occasion is really benefiting right now, uh, more so than 0809. That's back to the at-home eating, the flexible work environment, uh, the eating more at home. That is the one day part that we are still seeing momentum and people switching switching to. So some differences there, but similarities. We did dive into right now um, the difference in protein purchases that are changing in this called inflationary and recessionary environment. We did a shopper insight study our team did called the changing landscape of proteins. And interesting in this study, it it was, you know, a few thousand shoppers. Uh, it caught across all refrigerated, frozen, and fresh proteins that people buy. 
to understand how they're changing their behavior. And while we're seeing people trading down and switching, even more so what we're seeing is they're stretching their protein spend and consumption. So they're trying to get more out of a meal or they're they're switching, adding filler ingredients. They're using one meal that used to be one for two uh, and vice versa. So that's an interesting environment. And the study, really interesting, gets into like the six, what we call powers of protein purchase change. And while affordability, which is big, and that's not just price, that's value you get from the pack size and things of that nature and the promo availability. The other five are still very important in today's environment on how they purchase proteins. Uh, And those were like, you know, health, of course, versatility using in multiple different ways across the day parts, uh, convenience uh, with people still, you know, crazy, hectic lives, uh, experience uh, and taste. So people still in this environment want to splurge in certain areas and try new things. So interesting uh, dichotomy of what we're seeing, but uh, we're truly really, we're, we're trying to understand that across those called protein categories to position uh, the shopper in the best position and, and grow those categories. Interesting. So, and if I remember back um, 08, 09, we saw people moving out of beef into chicken. Um, we saw uh, ground beef increase. Uh, and, and things like that is is that similar today or where you have uh, somebody maybe they were buying a t-bone and now they're buying something lower end is that the, the other thing that uh, that we experienced was as people were going from out of home to in home they were trying to replicate that experience at a restaurant at home too so there were a couple different things going on i'm wondering you know what you what you all are seeing from that perspective no, yeah, you are absolutely right. So we're seeing both of those areas you just mentioned. So where you're eating home at eating more at home instead of restaurants, where that steak at Longhorn, for example, that's a Midwest chain. I don't know if everyone has that, but <laughs> now now the steak in the grocery store seems a little bit more affordable. So that still will benefit that. But at the same time, the ribeye steak in in your retailer, uh, if it's, if the commodity prices are super high and they fluctuate, so it's it's ever changing. You might go down to a lower size beef cut uh, to satisfy that meal for that week. So we're seeing both avenues of that. It's called switching or trading down. Uh, and it's across proteins and in and out. So, um, I mean, for good examples in fresh chicken, you have fresh raw chicken. They might switch to a bag frozen chicken to save longer in bulk size. I mean, we're seeing bulk sizes as well. So. Shoppers are creative and they'll, they'll switch. And as price, I mean, prices go up and down across the year, especially in the fresh space, they'll, they'll make choices to, you know, back to stretch their protein spend, uh, and consumption, uh, switching and trading down really the three key areas are they're using to satisfy in this environment. Okay. Okay. So obviously a lot of different movements, different shifts going on. I, I can only assume it's challenging at store level buyers and so on to, you know, predict where where purchasing will happen as, as these things change. And if I think about when I go to the grocery store, I don't remember ever a time going to multiple grocery stores and seeing the amount of out of stocks that we're seeing in some instances. So I'm wondering if you could share what you're seeing from a retailer perspective. How are retailers trying to handle, whether it's supply chain, labor, and so on, how are they trying to mitigate some of those impact, impacts so that we don't see it directly on the shelf? 
No, you're right. And it's been such an issue over the last few years. I will say, and I do feel it's getting better, uh, uh, which is a positive. I mean, I know for a while there it was, it was really tough across the grocery store and across multiple categories, and there's still pockets of disruption. What I've seen uh, a lot to really handle, and, it, and it's a balancing act. So there's a, a big emphasis right on holding power uh, on key shelf items or key SKUs uh, for sure across categories, especially in our world where we're, um, you know, perishable. Making sure you have the right days of supply on there that helps a with you know the out stocks and also the the labor component because a lot of uh, retailers right now are still struggling with that and making sure they have the people to put more out there, you know, uh, at the pace needed for consumption. I uh, also see, you know, promotional plans have changed a little bit, right? You really uh, key eye on, you know, inventory and forecasting to make sure if you're promoting a certain segment or item or brand of any category that it has the power to really, uh, you know, be there for the shopper when they need it. So, those are a few big things that I've had more emphasis than normal in my um, long career in this world. But I will say on we're also starting to see across categories more innovation finally coming in as supply has gone better on core SKUs across the store, which is fun. I, I mean, I love innovation. I know shoppers do as well, something new. So I think now the balancing act, well, keeping uh, both that, you know, that holding power and the, the out of stock issue with the key items with the big velocity items across the store, but also still introducing that new innovation to satisfy customer needs, meet new need states, uh, and give back to a little bit more of that balance. So you bring up in innovation. This is something that we didn't talk about, but I'll throw it out there. So um, new items coming in, um, you know, speed to shelf is obviously a big thing for anybody who's trying to launch a product. So are you seeing or, or have you heard of any issues around speed the shelf because of the labor issues and so on? Yeah, you know, not a ton. I mean, uh, the, what I've been at, what we track innovation, of course, and we're still seeing for the most part, uh, pretty good if an item isn't accepted, it's getting where it needs to be at the right time. I mean, I've been doing this for a while. I've always wanted to be quicker right but it takes for it does take a while when i mean there's so many grocery stores right and it's so complex with the distribution networks to get it scanning you know the day you want it to but for the most part what, what we've been tracking at least in the categories i plan uh it's been it's been pretty it's been pretty strong so far good Good. So, so let's turn the page but but still kind of in an area that you talked about which is health. Okay, so you know health has been front and center for quite a while. Um whether it's manufacturers or retailers alike, um, continuing to take swings at attracting and connecting with, with shoppers and consumers, especially in the area of health, nutrition, and wellness. So whether it's plant-based, we've heard a lot about that, zero sugar, organic, and so on, what, what's kind of the buzz right now? What is either something that continues to accelerate or maybe something new that's coming on stage? Yes, uh, it's ever changing, right? And I love watching the new trends come, and the ones that stay, and the ones that ones that go. Uh, I will say, I mean, plant based and meat alternatives still a trend. I don't think it's as big as it was called, was it a year or two ago, but it's still a a trend that's one of the bigger ones. I feel like that we're seeing new introductions of both uh, called new and up and coming brands, uh, and also legacy brands where you're seeing. 
them and their core portfolio branch out to have an offering of two of the plant-based or meat alternatives. Uh, key question we're always getting is like, where all these live in store when you're launching like new and up and coming brands and legacy brands. So we, we, we do studies on that. We're costly monitoring and we have our ideas for our categories, but uh, it's so interesting to me. Another one that uh, continues, and I know this isn't a new one, but protein. In our studies, every study I've seen from you know some of the vendor partners that research this continues to be the top at one of the top attributes customers are looking for. You know, high protein diets uh, are important, and we're trying to figure out for our categories how to better communicate that too across all the different kinds of proteins you can buy. Uh, a big one that I was just reading last week and or, or a few, the last few weeks is you know probiotics and gut health. I think that's a big little uh, trend right now and that people are taking advantage of. So that's interesting to me. We'll see how that keeps evolving and anything that might fall out. Uh, so there's the big ones I, I feel in health, at least that I've observed right now, um, outside of health and even with health, the sustainability initiatives that I think are really important right now. And that's not, and that's, you know, both from how the food is made, raised, uh, packaging, transported, delivered, really the whole life cycle of the product. So those are, those are some big ones from my end. Good, good. So uh, we've talked innovation, we've talked health, so we talked new. Um, let's, let's go to probably one of the biggest ones that is everywhere right now, and that's around technology. So, you know, from that standpoint, we've heard about robots, virtual reality, you know, probably near and dear to your heart, online and e-commerce and so on. Um, but what are some of the major tech innovations that are changing the way we shop and eat right now? Yeah, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure on your, on this podcast before you've had online, but of course that's the big one and that means a variety of different things. But I mean, of course the pandemic catapulted that area of the grocery, you know, three to five years. It's interesting now for online, it's it's normalized, right? Where that growth got us there now, we're expecting it to grow, but still at a moderate pace. Uh, interesting um, in the online world in tech is uh, called like the fresh ambient products, so the perimeter fresh meats produce. It was really under index and not developed online because most people want to buy it in store. And that really helped that area of the grocery store acceptance. Now it's still underdeveloped. Uh, and the acceptance of that, but it's getting better and there's some cool innovation. We did a study uh, and we we're doing it internally, but a, um, fresh like in Europe and, and Asia because they have better acceptance online there and some of the things they're doing. And it was, we had really some neat learnings around health scores, freshness guarantees, diet plans, uh, meal bundles, which isn't new, but they're doing it in an innovative way that um, from a new way of eating was was some really cool solutions that worked over in those markets. Um, so that's big online for Curl at the Fresh. Of course, the new tech and grocery stores, I love it. I was in uh, my store the other day and saw one of the self-scanning carts. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to see those. The walkout of store technology, Amazon, of course, piloted. Um, I find all those very interesting and uh, see how the shopper responds to make their life easier and more seamless. So we'll keep seeing those. But at the same time, also in the back of my head, uh, outside of tech, you know, I mean, you still do see the retailers. I think HEB and Publix are ones that always score really high in the customer satisfaction area that really just lean in on that customer service, employee customer experience. So we'll see how those go hand in hand. Interesting. Interesting. So one thing that 
I didn't mention, you didn't either, but I'm going to bring it out now. And that is artificial intelligence. So I, I, I kid you not, it feels like six months ago, people were talking about, well, I've heard about AI and what if it could? And now it's literally every day with whether it's chat GPT or, or so on. Um, AI is truly at the forefront. Uh, what are you seeing from an AI perspective um, in the market right now? Yeah, AI for sure. And uh, yeah, it's in the news every day, right? Whether it's going to completely change the world for the better, or I've seen articles where it's going to destroy it, which I think's sort of funny. Uh, I know the power of it. And I mean, we're using a few vendors and and I've seen them in our space and category management for like, you know, space shelf management and things to really get quicker and more accurate at using that technology. So I know it's at its infancy, but what I've what I've seen and what we're using, it has some major, you know, beneficial applications uh and how we'll do our job in the future and make it hopefully, you know, easier and better is the goal. And I and I think there's a really the promise that that technology will do that. So I'm going to ask the $60 million question here. So there are some people who are a little nervous and they're asking, would AI ever replace, let's say, a category manager or category analyst? What What do you think? And this is totally just your personal perspective, but is that anything to be concerned about? Personally, I am not. I mean, I'm optimistic it'll make us better, not replace. Uh, some tasks, right, that are super automatable uh, still today, such as called scorecarding or some elements of deck creation, could those be completely in the future uh, go through AI? Maybe and hopefully so, at least in my opinion, some areas. Uh, James, I remember, and you probably do too, I mean, 15 years ago, I'd run a report in any data system, Nielsen, ShopGuard data, it'd take a day or two sometimes to get back, right? But technology since then, not AI, but other technology has improved it so much where I barely wait for a minute for anything anymore. And through those years, I mean, now we've been able to redeploy resources to more strategic opportunities and strategic areas to help our retailers and, and, and Tyson. So um, a misconception in our world at times, I feel like, is that always do is at the category manager level is run scorecarding and data. But in fact, most of the time, I feel for the team I'm on, the teams I've been is is the art part, you know, finding the nuggets, telling the story, reading between the gray, which there will always be. And I don't know if AI can ever completely replace that human element is, is my opinion. So overall, I think it. I love new technology. I'm optimistic it's just going to make us better at what we do. I, I tend to agree. I would say that, you know, and we've talked about this on other episodes, there's the the science and there's the art to everything that we do, I I would find it hard to believe that AI could handle the art piece, maybe just make us that much better on the science part. So we have been in the trenches real deep and spanned across a number of different areas, so appreciate it. But now it's time to come up for air and take a breath. Finally, coming up for air. All right, so Eric, um, would love to learn a little bit about you personally, family, you know, where you're originally from, where you live now. Um, so if you could spend a few minutes on that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I'm originally uh, from Dayton, Ohio. I currently live in Cincinnati. Uh, we've been here for about eight years. 
Uh, I've lived around the state a little bit. I did li- live in Arkansas, uh, in uh, Benville area and Fayetteville area at Tyson headquarters for a few years, but always an Ohio guy other than that. Uh, I have a wife uh, that I'm coming up on my anniversary with, uh, nine years, uh, two sons, Chase is six and Brooks is three. So we are really busy right now, but it's uh, it's an amazing time uh, in life. And then we also have a little crazy labradoodle named Zoe. So Very nice. Very nice. So Ohio, did you go to the Ohio State University? I absolutely did. I did. Um, I got my MBA from Ohio State and been a lifelong Buckeyes fan. So I know there's some people listening to your call that will hang up right after this and some that will cheer me on. And that is OK. University of Illinois. So not not the hugest <laughs> fan. <laughs> so do you like basketball at all? Bronny James. There's buzz about maybe him going there. Yeah, you know, I think that'd be neat. I mean, it'd be a lot of, uh, of course, media fanfare. But if he would, uh, if he wants to come to Ohio State, I think it'd be great to have him. I'm a huge basketball fan. I still play even at my old age to try to keep exercise. And of course, an Ohio State football fan. So we will see for another upcoming season who our new quarterback will be. But I'm sure it'll be someone good to replace uh, uh, Stroud that's going in the drafts here soon. Yeah, and be careful on the basketball. I tore a rotator cuff playing with 20-year-olds. So, Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing, just parting words regarding the environment right now. You know, any any thoughts, any recommendations on, on what people can look for or what they can do? Yeah, and we mentioned earlier in this, right, it's a unique time with, you know, the inflation, maybe coming recession, everything else. I, what I believe in what I tell my team and people I talk to is, I mean, as long as we always still, you know, put the shopper in category first, think creatively um, to find solutions for them and stay on top of trends. And I think yeah, everything will be great and we'll, and we'll work through it. And I'm positive on the outlook for a category management and, and the categories we plan. Uh, and really overall have fun figuring that out and, uh, and helping our retail partners and, you know, whoever you work for and insights. It's a great time to be in the data industry with everything coming at us. We mentioned AI. I've never seen so many tools and ways to really dissect behavior and understand it. And um, shot, we figure that out. Shoppers win. We all win. So it'll be an interesting year, but uh, I know I'm personally looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Eric, this has been fun, super informative. Glad to have you on the show. Um, your insights were truly valued, and uh, we're hoping that our audience sees that same thing as well. So you've listened to another episode of Arcast. Please look forward to more interesting people just like Eric in the weeks to come. Please don't forget to share Arcast with your colleagues as well. And if you have any feedback, topic suggestions, or guest recommendations, please go to www dot catman dot global slash artcast when you get there scroll down to the bottom and please complete out our form we'll be sure to get back to you right away so with that this is james jackson signing off once again and you've been in the trenches bye